Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So now we have officially entered the final furlong. All manifestos are out there, even the odd contract with the people, and we know what the choices are that we are facing on December the 12th. This weekend, Boris Johnson laid out the Tory plans and put the NHS very firmly at the heart of a document entitled Get Brexit Done. But can anyone honestly say they are actually paying attention to any of these announcements? Free broadband from Labour, 50,000 nurses from the Tories, a skills wallet from the Lib Dems, an end to HS2 from the Brexit Party, 100 billion quid to fight climate change from the Greens, and no Trident missiles from the SNP. Can we just get it over with now, please? 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we'll hear from former Prime Minister Tony Blair, who seems to think Boris Johnson can't be trusted. Pretty good coming from him. And, of course, that Brexit is still a bad idea. We'll find out why the big energy companies are moving abroad to avoid the Corbyn nationalisation plan. And we'll examine a very bizarre spy story from Australia. 0344 499 1000. Also, uh, we'll get stuck into this latest announcement, the breaking news that's just happening. Very London-centric, you might say, that Uber are not going to have their licence renewed. So an awful lot of people who use a transportation company in order to get to work and home again in the small hours of the night, uh, cheaper and much better uh, than some other ways of doing so, uh, are not going to have that option anymore. And what's going to happen to all the people who actually drive Ubers, these people who actually are employed and make a living by driving cars and driving people around? I don't understand why uh, they've done it. We'll get into that as well. 03444991000. If you're a black cab driver, you're probably very, very happy indeed. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest great radio station in the world. It's Talk Radio. A mid-morning Dance with the Devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Oh, 0344-499-1000 is the number. We'll take loads more of your calls coming up uh, in the next hour, of course. We'll also be talking about the remarkable situation uh, in a cinema uh, up in Birmingham where uh, basically there was a brawl involving various youths and various um, implements of destruction, including a machete, would you believe, uh, which people seem to be thinking is a very normal activity nowadays at the weekends, which certainly should not be regarded as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but we'll be talking about that plus a lot more as well. Oh, 03 
We'll keep taking your calls on uh, the manifesto uh, mania that's going on, everything being promised, but the kitchen sink, it would seem, at the moment. But right now, we're going to talk to Nigel West, European editor uh, of the World Intelligence Review and an intelligence historian, of course, as well, uh, because a fascinating story has come our way from Australia where it would appear that the Chinese authorities, or certainly the Chinese sort of spying organisation, was attempting to recruit... Um, an Australian national uh, of Chinese descent who was uh, they wanted who they wanted to stand uh, for Parliament in the elections in May. Um, he reported that he had been approached and offered basically half a million quid to do so uh, and a lot of money to support his campaign to get into Parliament in Canberra. Um, he's been found dead. Um, and now uh, the Australian authorities are investigating. Let's talk to Nigel to find out what he makes of it. Nigel, very good morning to you. Good morning. Fascinating story, this, because... Um, I suppose my first thought when I read it was, you know, here we are busily looking at Russia to see what interference they can have in our election processes, and maybe we've been looking the wrong way. Yes, and we don't know very much about the Ministry of State Security, really, or we haven't learned much since 1985 when we had another really good defector, top-level man, codenamed Plainsman. Mm. So Wang Li Kuang, who defected in Sydney, he's given sort of usual information about the targets for the Ministry of State Security, all of which is fairly understo under, uh, well understood and conventional. But what's different is that instead of intimidating Chinese students who are studying in Australia, which is one of the tasks of MSS, uh, he revealed that MSS actually was pursuing a positive democratic uh, takeover uh, particularly in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Australia, mm. where ethnic Chinese were being persuaded to stand on a pro-Beijing ticket. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose because it's on the other side of the world, and I don't wish to sound like a flat earther here, but because it's on the other side of the world, it's kind of not in our minds that the Chinese have really got a big domination going on um, in, in, obviously, um, in, in Southeast Asia, generally speaking. Hong Kong we know about as well. But, but a big interest in Australia. Oh, a big interest in Australia and the United States. 700,000 uh, Chinese students in North America and all of them will have had some contact in some way or sponsorship with the Ministry of State Security. And MSS is a quite different intelligence organization to the kind of orthodox organizations that we're used to in the West. Their targets are unusual, Falun Gong, the Uyghurs, um, Taiwan, the democracy movement, the Tibet activists. These are political targets rather than legitimate strategic intelligence long-term mm. targets and as far as um this particular case is concerned um what what do you make of the way that it's kind of played out because uh, this man mr zhao uh, who was a car a quite wealthy car dealer apparently was approached i presume sometime last year went to the authorities to tell them what had happened and was then found dead um earlier on this year Yes, MSS, I'm afraid, has a very sinister reputation, and one of the things that Wang has told ASIO, which is the Australian intelligence organization, is about the disappearance of booksellers, five booksellers in Hong Kong, uh, and they were peddling anti-regime literature, mm. and they became targets. So in Australia, what Wang is going to tell us, really, is the inside story from his position 
uh, under commercial cover in Sydney. He's going to tell us everything about the MSS activities right across Australia, including this rather sinister dimension of getting ethnic Chinese mm. to join the, the local political structure. Yes, I mean, the guy in question, Mr Zhao, was already, I think, a member of the Liberal Party, but do you suspect that this is going on elsewhere then, that they're trying to get sort of a foothold in some way in, in governments in foreign countries? Well, we've certainly seen that uh, in Hong Kong. It, we've not been aware of it, as far as I know, in other countries, and it hasn't happened in the United States, mm. which is the principal MSS target for long-term political reporting. Right. So this, so Wang is going to be an enormously valuable asset and will, at some stage, be lent to other intelligence and security organizations across the West and will be advising services on the latest MSS thinking, which is a closed book to most Western intelligence agencies um, because of the way they operate and because they only use ethnic or mainly only employ ethnic Chinese and mm. approach ethnic Chinese. It's very difficult to run double agents against them uh, or use the, the kind of normal tactics that you would deploy in a counterintelligence target. Right. And what do you make of, of, of what the Chinese will do now about Hong Kong? Because obviously we've seen the violence, we've seen escalations of that from time to time. It seems to sort of ebb and flow depending on, um, you know, what is going on uh, on the streets. Now they've had this um, effectively a referendum, isn't it, on, on the governance of Hong Kong, um, which has been uh, basically in the form of a local election for councillors. But basically 80% or so uh, of the councillors have been won uh, by, the, uh, by the rebels, if you like, by the, by the people who are taking to the streets. Yes, it's very difficult to know because, of course, the Communist Party of China would like to take a hard-line approach, mm. but I think that there are modernists who take the view that another Tiananmen Square in Hong Kong would not only create severe problems for the People's Republic overseas mm. uh, and their investments, but would provoke the democracy movement on the mainland. And that's what they're really concerned about. The, the whole of the country is on the move. There is this very dramatic demographic uh, move from country to town and that is going to create instability in the future and the Chinese Communist Party is very well aware of that but they don't want to provoke the democracy movement any further than is necessary on the mainland and a bloodbath in Hong Kong would do precisely that so they've exercised a degree of restraint which is pretty unusual given the, the turmoil and the, the very bloody history of the country in the past. Yeah, well, this is what's interesting for me about China's kind of role in the world, because while on the one hand they're trying to become more kind of commercially viable and much more westernised, if you like, but on the other hand, we then see the other story today about this Chinese detention camps, um, which are being described as a fabrication and fake news by apparently the Chinese embassy in London. But, um, you know, it's still quite a dangerous place, isn't it? Not only that, but you've got a million... Uh, Muslims in the northwest of the People's Republic who are in effectively what they call re-education camps, what we would call concentration labor camps. Right. And uh, every time you buy something cheaply that has been manufactured in China, you have to bear in mind that this has been probably manufactured 
in some kind of a labor camp yes. where they're not paying not even minimum wages. Mm. It's so astonishing, isn't it? The Ministry of State Security, you have to bear in mind, has only one purpose in life, and that is not the protection of China itself, but the protection and the continuation of the Chinese Communist Party. It's mm. the sword and shield of the party, and that's all it cares about. So the idea that it is a conventional economy or has long-term coexistence interests around the globe are somewhat mistaken because you can actually see into the heart of the Communist Party through the intentions of the Ministry mm. of State Security. Yes. And so, I mean, I suppose if we are watching the Russians and whether they are interfering in our election processes, we should also be watching the Chinese quite carefully in this country. Well, we're we have difficulties in this country. We are not a political target in the same way that the, that the United States is mm. or that Australia is. And, of course, we have huge Chinese investment in the United Kingdom. So we have a, a better relationship. And that, of course, explains the rather muted approach to Beijing over the issue of Hong Kong, where, of course, we have a direct role and responsibility as a guarantor of its special status. It's why we have been very restrained in our criticism of Beijing. Mm. Too much to lose. Yes, quite. Nigel, thank you very much indeed. Fascinating story down in Australia. We'll keep tabs on that one uh, and keep you updated as we find out more information. But effectively, um, a double agent has now given information to the government and also uh, has been talking <coughs> excuse me, publicly about um, the sorts of things and the sorts of recruitment that has been going on um, in Australia by the Chinese government. Quite shocking stuff. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about Tesco's uh, concerns over its own brand, Honey, which has apparently been bulked up with cheap syrup. Uh, also, we'll find out what the latest is from down under on the I'm a Celebrity front, and uh, we'll be finding out why uh, cinema chains have pulled this gang film after a brawl uh, in Birmingham, which resulted in some people uh, attacking the police with machetes, believe it or not. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now let's talk to Sefton Henry, who is the founder of Unity, a man we've spoken to many times before. Very sensible on the on on the on the sort of uh, the wherewithal uh, of what we should be doing about the youth culture in this country and whether we should be doing more uh, or whether we should be offering more to them. But before we do anything about that particular movie, Blue Story, let's just have a listen to it because this is a clip from the film which has now been banned. Everybody, have five seconds to come out of my house. One, five. That switches little brother. We got each other's backs. I got yours, you got mine. If you would have stabbed you, I would have stabbed him up. Like, where are you from? Man's from Peck, no, I'm from what? Is this he, man, from what? That's the trailer for the film Blue Story, which is basically um, a, a, a film about gangs. Uh, it's a fictional movie. Uh, it stars probably people who might actually be in gangs. But uh, let's talk to Sefton Henry now and find out uh, what he makes of it all. Sefton, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Um, I'm afraid since you and I spoke the last time, things haven't really got any better, have they? No, they haven't, no. I mean, to see such a young child almost holding that machete in that picture from Birmingham at the weekend, it was quite chilling, really. I mean, I mean my first instinct is always to say, how is it possible to buy something like this? But, I mean, I know that's a bit naive, really, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think um, they're even selling things like this on eBay and stuff like that. So yeah. It's really um, easy to get hold of. Mm. Um, yeah. And what sort of um, 
things do you think are conjured up by these types of films? I mean, I'm not normally somebody for censorship. I was, I'm old enough to remember when they made Boys in a Hood. I was living in America and I had to go and watch it uh, for the Sunday Times, funnily enough, because there were gangs going to see Boys in the Hood and it was all breaking out into sort of gunfights because it was America, you know. Um, and they had to stop showing that at certain parts of the country at certain times of the night. Um, is there a, a, a sort of is there a sort of a model that you can point to to say that if kids are going to go and see a movie about gangs, they're more likely to try and act it out? Um, no, I don't, I, I'm not 100 percent sure because, like you know, computer games is the same sort of thing. Do you right. know what I mean? Like GTA, people didn't just watch GTA and then start going around shooting people. No. So I would say that no. Um, I don't think it's 100% to do with the movie itself, um, but I think it's just kids behaving badly. Um, and in the culture that we're living, like society, and the way that um, certain... Um, I don't know what it's called. Uh, certain things are glorified. Yeah. Uh, when these things are glorified, these young kids are picking up on it as if it's cool. Mm. It's something to be. Um, and then that's why they're getting involved in it. But isn't that already the case anyway, though? Because these kids are all on YouTube. You know, a lot of the certainly the London gangs are filming themselves doing either music videos or or just filming themselves acting out violent things, and 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 sometimes filming things which would normally be considered illegal, um, and everyone's watching it. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's not just London. That's also in Liverpool, yeah. um, Birmingham, Manchester, um, England. Um, basically, mm. every, every young person is on YouTube um, doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's it's being glorified everywhere we we go. Mm. But when it's in society, when it's like mobile wards, um, gang members getting mobile wards, yeah. or when you walk into McDonald's and you're hearing it, um, certain songs that are glorifying it, that's where it becomes systemic. Yeah. And people start growing up involved in it right. or, or growing up um, to a part of it in their system, if that makes sense. Yes. Well, it's kind of normalising it is what you're saying, that this is the way that they yeah. think everybody lives or everybody that they know yeah. lives like that. So that's how they live. And remember, they're kids. Like, I'm, I'm working with a few young people now and one of them's only 13. Right. Um, the other one's, um, I think, around 12. So... These young kids, they don't know much better, but they do know better, of course they do. But if you've grown up a certain way for so long, it's very difficult to unlearn some of those things. Yeah, it is. And what do you think you can do about that? I mean, what do you say to these 13-year-olds and 12-year-olds about trying to unlearn some of this stuff? So for me, at Unity One Mind, um, or Go Viral, underscore with unity on instagram if you check it out you'll see some of the stuff that i'm doing and mm. some of the stuff that i'm about basically what i do is i renew their minds uh -huh. um and i try and make their minds think differently like i take them to places that they probably never thought they could go yeah um, i took some young people to universal music studios um right. and i was with percy ascot an actor and Joe Van Wade, yeah. and we went there, and they 
they felt like they had gone to heaven. <laughs> um, it was an experience that they never thought they could ever have. But it was just down the road from them. But they didn't actually know that they could go there. And that's the sort of thing that I'm faced with with a lot of young people. They don't actually know another life. And it's about bringing them out of that life and showing them, actually, you are welcome in society. You, you, you can come away from there, if that makes sense. Yeah. They get this... There's a thing where they feel excluded from society. They feel that actually no one wants them, no one cares about them, they're better off being bad, going to prison and so on. So then their lives, they don't have any meaning for their lives. They don't feel, oh, my life's worth anything. So that's why they end up killing each other. And so that, is, that is because their lives, to them, presumably, seem quite cheap. Yes. They don't feel that they, their, their lives mean much. But as soon as I've started working with some of the young people that I've worked with and I've took them out of that arena and brought them into another sort of life, another way of living, they've changed quickly and they've said, you know what, I can actually make it in life. And what about the, um, uh, the change and, and how that is affected by the sort of things that you're doing? I mean, how, how fast can that happen when you've got these kids, if you take them to a place like that, uh, a music studio, is it instant or do you have to keep doing it? The truth is um, what's needed for me, I need more support and more um, resources to be able to um, be consistent in their lives. Um, there's one thing for me to take them one day, but I need to be able to take them to several places within a month, if that makes sense, right. and keep that consistency going. If I can do things consistently, then in the matter of, I would say, two years, two years of their life being consistent in their life, mm. I, could, I can definitely see a massive transformation. Right. And as far as the actual incident in Birmingham is concerned, it's not absolutely 100% right or sure at this moment um, that the film itself was the actual cause uh, of the of the punch-up, you know, because um, it's, there, there are lots of things going around on the internet and you can't always trust them. But, I mean, there's plenty of footage of, of the fight, uh, which looks as though uh, it's between a group of Sikh men uh, who were being targeted for some reason. Yeah, so I would say when a group of young people gather together, it's likely that some sort of drama is going to take place. Um, and if it's that they all went to the cinema to watch that film, it's not necessarily that film's fault, but it's the gathering of those young people yeah, right. coming together. Yeah. And that could have happened anywhere. But well, they've kind of linked it to that film because obviously that film is about gangs. Yes, exactly right. And it sort of has its, its reputation uh, goes ahead of it, I suppose. But, I mean, I can't imagine that 100 people would all go, gather together to go and see a movie all at the same time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got to use a bit of common sense here. But, but the overriding problem, I suppose, Sefton, as well, um, is if they weren't at the at cinema, they could have been somewhere else and they could have been fighting somewhere else or they could have been stabbing each other somewhere else. And, and I mean, that, that problem is still there. Um yeah um and obviously that the film's not even about birmingham um, no it's about lewisham i think in london yes yeah so it's about london so i don't really believe that maybe it's to do with the film per se um and i believe that something needs to happen in the sense of 
um, I, I want to see more glorifications in some of the things that's doing good, like the good stuff that's happening. Like, why isn't that um, lifted up more so than blue stories and these stories or yeah. whatever it is? It, we need to lift up some things that are more positive. Yes. And that is the problem, though, isn't it? I mean, we see in London now pretty much at least once or twice a week, maybe more, um, stabbings going on. Uh, we're not surprised anymore when, when teenagers are killed, stabbed to death because of some fight at a party. Um, yeah. it's, we've sort of almost become normalised to that. Yeah, we've literally become desensitised to it. Yeah. The truth is, as well, um, is that I am a former gang member. Um, I've lived that life, yeah. you know. I've been shot at, I've been stabbed in my lip, I've been stabbed in my ear, and I've been bricked and bottled um, a good few times. Yeah. And I, I, I've been to prison. I've I, I spent most of my years in prison. And for someone like me to now come out and be um, speaking these things that I'm saying, then it needs to be taken into consideration because I know, I know that life. I've lived it. And what made me go into it and what made me um, stay in it and is the things that I now use to get them out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, so now, you, can, you, you can talk to these guys as one of them, as it were. Yeah, so I now know what made me go into it, so I use it to twist it round and get them out of it so they don't have those things. So one of those things that made me get into it is the culture. The culture was the main thing, and that's what I was saying. Society needs to recognise that whenever we lift up that culture, we are damaging our young people because they're going to be receptacle to it and they're going to end up going down that road. Mm. Now, this particular movie is actually um, financed and made by the BBC, interestingly enough. I mean, does it matter, do you think, that these kinds of films are made? Um, so, in some sense, I'm, I'm working alongside um, Joe Van Wade and Percy um, Purcell Ascot, and they're both actors, and they, they do um, this thing with fully focused um, million youth... Um, media mm -hmm. and basically they do films that are some of their films are based on like gang lifestyle but it shows the true intent behind the scenes and I think that's so powerful it shows the mother grieving over her son it shows the reason why the young man is going through what he's going through I think those films should be lifted up more so mm. than the ones just glorifying the fact that they're fighting and so on. That's what I would say. Because presumably, if there was to be a kind of a, a, a film culture about gang-related matters, you know, you might actually get some people out of the gangs and into the movie business. Yes. That's, well, that's what they're doing right now with this um, fully focused. That's exactly what we're doing. We've actually got an event today that I'm going to. It's an award winning for, for some of the films that they've done. And it's it's actually got young people out of gangs into um, acting. And it's absolutely amazing. I, I, I can't, I can say that this one's actually working. Okay. And I like the fact that they use a storyline. They have a real storyline that shows the heart and the feeling behind everything. Right. 
Will there ever be a time, Sefton, do you think, when we will not be talking about this kind of gang-like behaviour in our inner cities of this country? Because it seems to me that it's so kind of entrenched now that it's never going to end. Yeah, it's sad because it's happening in places like Essex. I train government staff um, in Essex. I go into schools in Essex. I go into schools in... Uh, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the schools in different um, areas and it's happening there also. So it's really scary what's happening. But the only way that we can really um, change it is by changing the narrative of what we see of young people. And if we can glorify some of these young people that are doing good all the time and show them, then we will show the younger generation that's coming up this is the way to go mm. and not that way. OK. Well, let's hope so. Sefton, thanks very much indeed. Sefton Henry, founder of Unity, uh, a youth organisation working on crime prevention, also trying to get some of these kids out of the gang culture. But the problem for me uh, is this particular film, um, which may not have been the cause of the, the punch-up nevertheless, but, but is clearly a story which is going to get people interested in gang culture and maybe glamorising it as well. And it is financed by the BBC, uh, which, as far as I'm concerned, shouldn't be making films anyway. BBC is a television company. It should not be making movies, should it? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, you know what you are? You are sex bomb, sex bomb. Yeah. You're a sex bomb. Uh-huh. You can give it to me when I need to come along. Give me sex bomb, sex bomb. You're my sex bomb. And baby, you can turn me on. We are your election station here at Talk Radio. As you know, uh, this is the place to have your voices heard. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. That song always cheers you up, doesn't it? Uh, story that came about over the weekend with a rather disturbing photograph, I have to say. Chris Froome, uh, the cyclist, was pictured cycling on his bike naked. Now, 
I don't know about you, but I never want to think about anybody cycling naked. Whenever there's that naked cycling day out in uh, London every every summer, I think they have it, you just think, nah, nah, that's really not something I would want to do. It's really not something I want to watch. It's actually not something I even want to think about. But Chris Froome, who is a magnificent specimen of a man, you have to say, um, has got very unusual muscles in as much as he is literally just a kind of speed machine. He looks like he's one of those exhibits in that body's um, exhibition that used to go around where the, there's no skin on him. It's just like he's sinew and muscle and that's it. Apparently, uh, he's gone vegan, like a lot of people have recently. And now we're being told a medical experiment which was done for a Netflix documentary proves that actually if you are vegan you have a better sex life. We're going to talk to Carl Donnelly now. I don't know whether he's got a good sex life or whether he's even a vegan. Carl, a very good uh, morning to you. Uh, morning, Mike. Are you a vegan, Carl? I, I'm vegan. Are and, you? Um, I have... Uh categorically can say I've got a very good sex life. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd obviously want... I'd, I'd need some corroboration on that, obviously. But, I mean, I'll take your word for it for the purposes of this particular uh, radio interview. Um, this study, though, uh, apparently men were given burritos containing grass-fed beef, organic chicken or organic pork one night, then plant-based replacement burrito containing soy and pea protein the following night, um, and then sort of asked them how they got on, really. So... They didn't really film anything that they shouldn't have filmed, um, but yeah, apparently I mean, the men reported that they they oh. performed better after the vegan <laughs> uh, burritos. I don't know. I don't know that I'd be doing anything like that after eating vegan burritos. No, to well, I don't think um, that is the most scientific of studies. To be honest, it's not. Uh, is it? I don't think you can really trust men <laughs> to ever give a true account of what happened in a bedroom. Well, there's very I mean, few men. Notorious liars. I mean, I imagine Carl. There's very few men that if you said to them, "What's your sex life like?" are going to say it's awful. Are they? Exactly. You know, but I think, um, yeah, meat eaters are vegan. I don't think your uh, diet or ethics really uh, dictate your, you know, how you re you sort of report back from your mm. sexual escapades. Yes. Well, also, these guys are athletes, I think, in this study. And, and I mean, they used a picture of Chris Froome in the, uh, in the article in the Sunday Times that I saw. And, I mean, if you're an athlete, you're a supremely fit individual in any event. So you're probably bound to be um, quite good at sex, if you'll pardon the expression. Well, yeah, I suppose, but I, I reckon it's it's more to do. Like, I mean, I, I was being I've been a vegan for seven years, and I reckon like it's probably more to do with the fact that your your meals are a little less heavy. Do you yes. know what I mean? you go out for a big if you go out for a big sort of steak, naturally, I think you're going to be a little bit more lethargic than if you eat a bloody bit of broccoli. So <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, some people will say that the protein in the steak might you know give you some extra energy. I don't think protein does that. I, I saw because I, I, I watched that documentary, and even as, I mean, I've got to say, I'm a pretty chilled vegan. Like, I watched that documentary, and was like, this is very one-sided. Even though it's my side, I still thought, you know, I reckon they, you know, they've made their mind up before uh, making it. You know, so I think, um, yeah, it talks about how protein actually doesn't help with energy. I didn't know that. Apparently, you want to eat carbohydrates for energy, so. I Is that right? Pre-sex, pre I suppose you should probably just have an apple or something. That'll sort you out. Well, but how about you just don't eat anything? You know, you I don't can't think... go into. Can't go into I mean, there are there are those who say <laughs> there are those who would say, and I'm not certainly uh, saying that I'm one of them. That if you eat after having sex, you actually taste the food better. Is that true? Yeah, Why? you should try Is it. Is it just heightened senses? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, mean you also, know. I suppose you need to check that with the person. You can't. Literally just finish sex with your partner and then turn over and have a, you know, a banana. It's like that, <laughs> it's a bit rude. like that, th that theme, that, that, that scene from Sex and the City where the guy keeps going off and having a shower. 
<laughs> after he's had sex and she hates it, right? And she's well, like, what's wrong with me? I think after sex, he's really got to, you know, sort of be pretty careful about your behaviour. I once, uh, my wife bought me a Fitbit for my birthday oh, last yeah. year and I kept it on like for the first week to check my sleep. Mm. And um, we were in Turin on my birthday and we obviously went out for dinner and that night, you know, sort of in the bedroom, of things happened. And literally post-coitus, I checked my heart rate on my Fitbit. And started, uh, <laughs> How did that go down? Uh, well, yeah, she wasn't too happy. No. <laughs> like, is she logged, also? Logged is she? Is she also a vegan? Your wife? She is. Yeah, we went vegan actually. Weirdly, independent. Like, we we knew each other as friends, but we both went vegan just before we met. So is that right? Some sort of weird coincidence. So, did just, you meet in a vegan cafe or something? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> sabotage, you know, uh, hunt. <laughs> no, we, we just, I think we just, we just met through other things. But, yeah, we both happened to go vegan around the same time. Uh, so and have you, have, have you spoken to her about this particular study? Um, I haven't, no. Um, I don't think I'd want to get her uh, true feedback on my... I don't think we should ever get an honest um, report of how good we are. I think yeah, because... We'll never live up to our expectations. You don't really, yeah, you don't want her comparing you to other people, really, do you? No, especially non-vegans. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to learn if they are. You know, if they have different styles. To, um, yeah. Uh, well, do you have? Do you find yourself with a different style now that you're a vegan, as it were, whatever that is? Um, I, um, I don't think I've changed anything particularly no. drastic. Okay. Because um, the study uh, here says uh, basically the, the the athletes in question. Um, uh, said that their sexual arousal lasted between three and four point seven seven times longer. I don't know how they worked that out. It's four point seven seven. It's a bit odd, isn't it? I know. Also, like, what do they mean by what do they, does that mean? How long they last, or is it how long they feel aroused for? It's a very vague. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can go there for about twenty three hours of the day. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's veganism or just being a man. Well, I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, it depends where you are as well, doesn't it? Or who you're with, presumably. Uh, mine's pretty much just standard. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're a comedian, Carl. Um, yeah. How does being vegan sort of fit with that lifestyle? Because you have to spend a lot of time, presumably, in... Uh, not what I was going to say, smoke-filled rooms, but and you can't do that anymore. But but sort of, you know, alcohol-fuelled situations where people are eating a lot of junk food. Well, it's, but do you know what? In, in the seven years I've been vegan, it's changed so much. When I first went vegan, it was in, almost impossible. Like, on the road, I used to... Sometimes I had dinners that were, like, as if I was a five-year-old. Like, I had a bag of crisps. Right. You know, an like... Egg and crisp that. sandwich or something. Well, but just because I couldn't find anything. Yeah, in town, I literally would have, like... A, yeah, I'd end up eating a dry pita bread. I suppose you can't eat eggs, can you, if you're a no, vegan? No, I can't. So, yeah, so, like, when it's... In that I wouldn't be, I'd be useless as a vegan. I don't even know what you're supposed to eat. Loads of people. Like, it took me years, It took me a couple of years to fully work out. Like I, I was still eating things like certain sweets that I didn't realise had beef gelatin in and stuff right. like that. So, well, I remember during I remember during the uh, the, B, the the CJD crisis, um, we had to, to to find out when I was working for a newspaper all the things that had beef gelatin in them, and it was extraordinary. Oh, it's what, mad. What has once, it? You know, and once you start learning, it's crazy. Like, yeah, the things there. So, I'm now pretty good at just just I just I managed to avoid everything, but. Yeah, it took a good few years, but it's so easy now. It's because it's had this massive boom in the last couple mm. of years. Like, I don't know really. I mean, it's quite, it's good, but it's sort of really blown up to the point. You know, Greg's having a vegan sausage roll. Yeah. And stuff. no one saw that coming. Well, that's kind of sensible easy. marketing, though, isn't it? Because it's stupid to 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 ignore it. Really, you might as well yeah. jump on the bandwagon. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think Greg's have done it for an ethical reason. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they're suddenly <laughs> going to stop phasing out all their pasties. 
So yeah, it's it's just good business. Okay. If they can see the the trend. Right. Well, when, when's your next show? When can we, we can give you a quick plug before we let you go to uh, concentrate um, on I'm your at, techniques? Where am I? I'm at the London Comedy Store all weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend. Okay. A great club. It is, but that's not helping anyone who wants to come and see you because it's in the past. And since they don't have a time machine, they can't go back and no, see you. This weekend. I'm, yeah. Uh, this weekend. Yeah, this oh, this weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah, this Thursday. Oh, I thought you Saturday, said last weekend. No. <laughs> Maybe I'm eating too much meat. That's it. You've got the meat sweat. <laughs> God, that's probably another thing, actually, that helps with the sets is you don't have meat sweats. When that's you eat, true. Uh, broccoli. I really think you were doing it wrong before you were a vegan, though. It sounds to me you're not supposed to go out for like a big curry and then have sex. Oh, I did used to eat a sausage roll every time <laughs> just before starting. <laughs> Excellent. Carl, thanks very much indeed. Carl Donnelly, uh, who's at the Comedy Store in London all week, this weekend coming. Uh, let's talk to Chris, who's in Selsey. Hello, Chris. Hey there, Mike. How you doing? Yeah, not bad, sir. Um, what can I, I do for you? I am not a vegan. Okay. I, ha I haven't got pointed ears. <laughs> Some people haven't okay. got pointed ears. I think you should be having a go at them. Be careful. Yeah, I'm having a go, but it's a joke, Mike. You know, Vulcans, vegans. Yes. No, I know. I know. I got Did it. You? <laughs> right. I mean, get to more serious matters. I am loaning my vote to the Tories. Okay. I was a Tory party member. I kicked him into touch with that idiot May, and I'm loaning my vote to them because I want Brexit. Okay. Yeah, I, that's more important to me than anything. And it's a short-term uh, loan, I presume, is it? Uh, well, I would have gone Brexit party, but the thing is that, that uh, they pulled the candidate from round here because she was a local lady and I'd have, I'd have given her my vote. But right. to be honest here, I, this is a temporary loan. And, and I'll tell you what, Johnson must perform. He must perform. Yeah. Because if he doesn't, he's in the touch. Well, I mean, I think if, if, he, if, he, if the projections over this past weekend are correct, then he will be able to. I think it's all a matter of how many seats he can actually win in a majority. And if he can get those seats in a majority, then it's, I think it's a done, done deal, isn't it? Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, listen, listen, I've never known, like, such a bigger load of rubbish than this lot that are going for our votes. They are abysmal. I know. Absolutely abysmal. I mean, you're roughly the same age as me. In all my lifetime, I've never known a rabble like this. I think you're absolutely right, and I think you speak for an awful lot of people, Chris. Thanks very much indeed. I think that's the problem. As I said last week, I was reminded um, uh, of the David Letterman quote about the Mike Bloomberg, who's now running for uh, US president, by the way. He's going to run as a Democrat. When he was running for mayor of New York against somebody whose name I've forgotten, uh, Letterman basically said, you know, this is such a poor election. Uh, unfortunately, only one of them can lose. Isn't that a pity? And that's true. I think a lot of people feel like that. Uh, but anyway, we are here at Talk Radio. You are, we are your election staff. We'll bring you more of that uh, throughout the course of the day here. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 